Are you guys ready for God's word today? Awesome. Me too. I'm ready to preach it. So turn with me to Genesis chapter 25. Genesis chapter 25. And I am beginning a new series of messages um, called Identified. Identified. And I want to talk about, and I really felt really led, obviously prompted by the Holy Spirit to talk about this. But I want to talk about identity, the issue of identity. Um, and the issues of identity. And this is a huge topic. <laughs> it's, it's, a, it's, it's a big topic of conversation in our culture, in our world. Um, there's, a lot of, there's a lot of, I don't know if I'd call it information, but there's definitely a lot of thoughts and opinions that are being expressed and I'm just, I, you know, for me, I know my audience is our church. I pastor this church. It's an honor to do that. And, and I, I, I think one of the concerns that I have is culture is so consistent and so loud that I almost feel like culture is doing a better job discipling the church than the church is at discipling the church or even impacting and influencing the culture. And, um, and in the, you know, it was when you watch the perfect storm, you watch all the, the, the liberation and all the new ideas and kind of, and then you get political correctness where now if you disagree with me, that's hate speech. And so now it's like, how do we even speak to these issues? Because if I say anything you don't like, you want to cancel me and, and call me a bigot or say that I'm full of hatred. I mean, it's, it's really the perfect storm. It's something I think only the devil could have constructed. A system where truth is outlawed, truth is offensive, and everyone is left to their own feelings, desires, and decisions. And then we are just supposed to accept that. I was, I was really, I mean, I was, I, I would say appalled. I, I don't think that's the right word. Um, overwhelmed, concerned. Uh, a few months ago, talking to one of our pastors, and he was talking about how there are teenagers and students who, you know, now everyone is identifying and we're self-identifying and we're all identifying ourselves however we want to identify ourselves. And now we have students identifying themselves as, as animals. And no, don't laugh. This is not a joke. I wish I would to God that this was some type of humor that I cooked up for today. But this is a real issue. And, and not only that, it, it, to not respect it in our schools, now you're, you're being disciplined because this child identifies as, as cat and they purr during class. And, and I, I didn't even believe this, but I watched a documentary and there was a, a female that identified as a wolf on the documentary. And I'm just sitting here like, I, I have, it was one of those things where I, don't, I didn't even know what to do with it. I'm like, because part of, part of me is honestly like, you know, like I, you're a wolf. And you're also an adult. And this concerns me. And then the idea that it was emotionally detrimental to her for anyone to disagree with how she identified. And I'm like, man, this is scary. This is scary where like our kids are growing up. Right? And and our kids are and and how do you find and, and this is what I came to, this is what I know. God's word is truth. Jesus says, Sanctify them by your truth. Your word, oh God, is truth. And if we want it, listen to me, if we want to know the truth about issues of identity, we have got to get off YouTube and Instagram and TV and get into the Word of God. Because God's Word speaks. Well, I don't believe in the Word of God. I can't help you then. But for people who, my audience primarily is believers today. There may be unbelievers. Thank God we had two people accept Christ in the 9 a.m. Thank God for that. But, but I'm just saying, but I'm just saying, I, I want to, as a pastor, I want to say, hey, this is what God's word says. Don't shoot the messenger. Right? I mean, you, you can be mad at me, just I'd prefer not to die. And so, <laughs> but I just, you know, I'm like, God, I just want to open the word of God. And I want, God, I want you to speak to these issues 
because we have a culture that is reeling, I would say, in pain and confusion. And, and God's word brings clarity. It is true. And so today we're just going to look at God's word as best we can and talk about some of the issues of identity. We're going to use, uh, we're going to go to Jacob 25. This is a weird text, you may think. But when I'm thinking about identity, I love the story of Jacob. So the Bible talks about Abraham. His name was Abram. And then God called him. Uh, his family left Ur and then went to Haran. And then God calls him uh, to go to the land of promise or the promised land, Canaan. Um, and God changes his name from Abram to Abraham. He changes Sarah's name from Sarai to Sarah. Um, and then we know they were barren and God gave them a, a, a miraculous child. And that was um, Isaac. Um, and that's the one, that, that's the child that God actually had Abraham take up on Mount Moriah. And, and he was going to slay him, said he wanted to sacrifice him. And Abraham was willing to do that. And God, of course, stopped him. Um, and then God revealed himself as Jehovah Jireh, and there was a ram caught in the thicket, and you know the story, right? Um, and then, so that's Abraham, Isaac, and then Isaac marries a lady named Rebekah, and then he has, they have twin boys, Jacob and Esau. And many times you read through the Bible, say the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and it's, those are the three major patriarchs, if you will, of Scripture, and the reason it, it reiterates that generationally is for us to understand the blessing of God didn't stop with Abraham, but it is, it is passes from generation to generation. That was always God's heart is to pass blessing on from generation to generation. In fact, if you go to the New Testament, you'll find that we, because of faith in Jesus, are blessed in Abraham and have received the promise, the same promise God gave Abraham is for us, right? So there's Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And I love talking about Jacob because Jacob is one of the people in scripture that God changed his name, right? God changed his name. And so I think it's a good backdrop for, for some truth as we dig it out. So we'll look at a lot of scripture. If you don't have a copy of God's word, don't worry. We'll put everything on the screen so you can, um, you can move, go along with us. So Genesis 25, 19, it says, this is the count of the family line of Abraham's son, Isaac. Abraham became the father of Isaac and I, and Isaac was 40 years old when he married Rebekah, daughter of Bethuel, the Aramean from Padan Aram, and sister of Laban, the Aramean. Isaac prayed to the Lord on behalf of his wife because she was childless. And the Lord answered his prayer. And his wife, Rebekah, became pregnant. And the babies jostled. I just like, I just like that jostled's in the Bible. I don't know why. Jostled. They jostled each other within her. And she said, why is this happening to me? So she went to inquire of the Lord. And the Lord said to her, two nations are in your womb and two peoples from within you will be separated. One people will be stronger than the other and the older will serve the younger. When the time came for her to give birth, there were twin boys in her womb. The first to come out was red and his whole body was like a hairy garment. So they named him Esau. After this, his brother came out with his hand grasping Esau's heel. So he was named Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old when Rebekah gave birth to them. Come on. That's, man, I've got, don't you have a fresh respect for them? 60 years old and they got twin boys. There ain't enough coffee. There are not enough vitamins. I call this message the truth about identity, the truth about identity. And so let's pray together and then dive in. God, thank you that your word is truth. And God, in, in a culture that can feel chaotic, in a world that's nonsensical at times, and we're all trying to find our place, God, thank you that your word stands forever. God, your word stands forever. And it is true. So we turn to your word and God, we ask that the Holy Spirit would give us revelation. God, just help us to hear you, to see and understand what you would have us know. And please don't let us miss this moment with you because we'll never get it back. So God, speak to our hearts today. Change our lives in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. Yeah, the issue of identity, we, we live in this in this day and age where this is a huge, I mean, identify, identifying. It's like a huge, a huge issue, buzzwords everywhere. People trying to figure out who they are. Um, 
And so when we talk about identity, what, what are we talking about? Well, actually what we're talking about really, our identity is really comprised of two things. It's a sense of self and a sense of worth. That's really where we get identity, kind of who am I, what do I do, what's my place, right? And how well do I do that or how well do I fit there? I mean, this is, this is where we kind of get identity. And really, here, here's the truth, what you need to know is for identity to be stable, the source of it has to be stable. Kind of makes sense, right? Like whatever you want to base your identity, like for instance, um, you know, if, if you're a man and you feel like your identity is based in success at work, what happens when you fail? Well, now I don't know, am I a failure because I failed? If my identity was based in I was a success because I was succeeding, now I'm a failure because I'm failing. And, and a lot of men have struggled when they lose a job, lose a position, etc. Same thing sometimes with with. Women, maybe their identity could be in being a mom or their identity could be in some other, it could also be in a career as well. It, you know, but the point is, your identity is as stable as whatever it's based on. And so when we want a stable sense of self, an enduring sense of self, an enduring sense of worth, then we have to base that on something that is enduring and stable, Right? So that when we get to the core of who I am, it is not shifting all the time with how I feel and what's going on. Are you with me? And here's the great thing. The way God made us, the way God designed us is, is the very obvious spoiler alert is that God is the source of our identity. In fact, this is point number one. Write this down. God is, God is the source of our identity. God, God Identity comes from God. Um, the, the text that we just read about Jacob, it kind of seems like a strange text. Like we're talking about identity and we're in the Old Testament. We're in Genesis chapter. Yeah, we're in the beginnings because Genesis. And Genesis chapter 25, this is what I want you to understand is here we have this story of, of Isaac and, and Rebecca and Rebecca is pregnant and there's some jostling going on. And I want you to think about this. She has no idea the sex of the child. She didn't know the number of children. And she sure didn't know the birth order or what they would do. And yet, because there's a whole lot of shaking going on in her tummy, she goes to the Lord like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what's going on. And God says, there are two boys that will be two nations. They'll be born in this order and the older will serve the younger. And my point is, before Jacob knew Jacob, before Rebecca and Isaac knew Jacob, God knew Jacob. And I would make the same argument about you. Before you, here, I think here we are, we're like, who am I? I'm trying to figure out who I am. And I think God's up there going, oh, I know, I know. Like, I knew you before you knew you. Yes. Jeremiah 1, 5, um, chapter 1, verse 5, it says, before I, formed you in the in, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Look at that. Before, this is what God is saying to Jeremiah. Before I formed you. So who formed him? God. Now, before God formed him, what happened? He knew him. So he said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And he said, before you were born, I set you apart and appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Here's what God's saying. I knew you before you knew you. I just want you to think about this. We live in a culture where people are trying to decide what gender they are. God knows. We live in a society where people are trying to figure out who they are. God knows. And I was you saying, well, this was, I mean, you're talking to me about Jacob. God knew who Jacob was because he was going to be a patriarch. He was really important. So this is one of those special circumstances. And then this is Jeremiah and he was going to be a prophet. And this is really important, a special circumstance. Okay, well, let's go to Romans chapter eight. Romans chapter eight, verse 28. I'm going to read one of your favorite Bible verses. Half of you, at least half of you in, your room, in this room, if you were honest, you have posted this verse. 
Romans 8, 28, for we know that all things work together for the good of those who love God to those who are called according to his purpose. Has anyone ever heard that verse? Has anyone ever claimed that promise? Has anyone ever posted that verse? Have you ever texted that to a friend who was having a bad day? Because in the same text, within the context of Romans chapter 8, God, Paul is writing the Romans and he continues, follows that verse with four. In other words, this is how we know all things work together for good because God foreknew you. God already knows because God already knew. This is now, if that, if verse 28, if that's your promise, verse 29 is talking about you. And it says, for whom he foreknew. That literally means to know before they're known. To know beforehand for, for whom he foreknew. In other words, God knew you before you knew you. And then read the next phrase. He predestined. So he knew you before you knew you, and then he predetermined your end, right? He is the God that starts at the end and declare, you know, I declare the beginning from the end, right? And so here's what I want you to understand, that, that just like God is looking at Jacob and, and Jacob is in the womb and, and there's no sonogram that tells them the sex of the child and there's no sonogram to tell them how many children are in Rebecca's womb, yet God knows, he's like, I know there's two and they're boys because I knew them and I predestined them and I put them in there. And just like God is talking to Jeremiah, he said, hey, before, before you were formed, before I formed you in your mother's womb, I knew you. You, you know, have you ever, um, like, we, do y'all do the Marvel movies? Do y'all watch the Marvel movies? Anybody in here watch Marvel movies? Okay, some of you. Yeah, God bless you, spiritual people. And, um, <laughs> and so my, my kids and I, we've seen all the, all, the, all the Marvel movies. And occasionally one will come out, like, remember when Black Widow came out? And it was her backstory, right? And we get to find out how Black, Black Widow became Black Widow, right? Some of you are like, I don't get it. It's, okay, just follow along in concept. I'll still get you there. I didn't see the movie. It's okay. No spoilers. I'm not going to talk about the movie. The point is the movie told us her backstory, how she came to be who she was, right? Here's the, here's the amazing thing. If I want to find out your backstory, if I want to do a movie about your backstory, I don't start with you, right? I don't start with you because I want to get to how you got here. So then we think, well, I'm, I must start with your parents. But the truth is, that's not where you started. Not according to the verses we just read. See, you actually, if I want to get your backstory, I got to go back to before the beginning, because before the beginning, you existed, not, not in a body, not in flesh, but in the heart of your father. You were actually conceived in the heart of your father before you were ever conceived in a womb. This is what these verses just told me. Because before Jacob was conceived in a womb, he was conceived in the heart of God. Before Jeremiah was conceived in a womb, he was conceived in the heart of God. And so if I want to know your story, I can't start with you. And if I want to know your story, I sure can't start with how you feel today. And if I want to know about you, I don't even have to go back to your, I, I don't even, I, I got to go back farther than your parents, biological parents. Whether you knew them, didn't know them, that's still not exactly where you came from. Where you came from is the heart of God, that in the heart of God, he, in his own being said, I'm going to have kids. He said, I'm going to have a Marty. He's going to be awesome. It's going to be some of my best work. Ephesians 2.10 says he's going to be a masterpiece. This is more Picasso, you know, but anyways... But if I want to find out the story about you, I'll start with you, I'll start with your parents, I'll start with your birth situation, circumstance, the state you were born in. I go back to before the beginning and understand that just like Jacob and just like Jeremiah, he knew you before you were known. And in his heart, he conceived who you would be. Yeah. 
And when, when he knew you, he knew all of you. He knew your gender. He knew your personality. Like when we talk about God knowing us and God making us, God did not just make a blob of biological systems. No, God crafted you. You're an introvert because God wants you to be an introvert. He, he has a way he uses that right? You're an extrovert because God wants you to be an extrovert. He has a way you have the sense of humor. You have, you have some of the capacities and abilities and things that you have because that's how God made you because God had a plan for you because he, he foreknew you and he pre-ended you and he crafted you and knit you together. The psalmist said in Psalm 139 that, that he knit you together in your mother's womb, that you were fearfully and wonderfully created by him. You're not biology. Biology was just the means to get you here. It was the median to, to bring his, his creation to life. But ultimately, you came from, from God. Now, here's the thing. See, if God created you, and we just read these verses, like he foreknew you, Psalm 139, he created my inmost being, you knit me together in my mother's womb. If, if, God, if God created you, then he created you how he saw fit. He created you based on the blueprint that he had when he conceived you before the beginning. See, when you create something, you get to name it. In Genesis, when God made Adam, God took the dirt and squished it. That's literally what the Hebrew word that's it, just like that. I mean, when you go look and study the Hebrew word, what it says he formed Adam, he said he formed man, it literally means just like when you're a kid, little kids playing in the mud, right there. Aren't you glad I come with sound effects? And this is what God, this is what God did. He said, he, he formed man and then he breathed in him. And man became a living being. And then this is what God said. That's man. Why did God get to call him man? Because he made him. When you create it, you get to name it. Right? When you create it, you get to name it. This, this, is, like, this is not what happened. God didn't say, get the dirt. Who would you like to be? Like, I didn't have a plan. I was just playing in the mud. <laughs> there you are. Tell me about you. Tell me what you want. Tell me how you identify. Because I'm not sure. I just play as just an experiment. I was playing in the mud. I had no plan, no forethought. I didn't know you before, Adam. You just got here because I played in the mud and sneezed on it. So you tell me, I'm the almighty, all-knowing, infinite creator, but you tell me who you want to be. You tell me who you are. Just tell me how you identify. That would be fine for me because I didn't have a plan anyway. Can I read you a fun verse from the Bible? Isaiah 49, 45, verse 9. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their creator? Now, I could just stop there. We could have an interesting conversation. But look at the next sentence. Does a clay pot argue with its maker? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it? Saying, stop, you're doing it wrong. Does the pot exclaim, how clumsy can you be? And this is because this is when God is, is Isaiah 45. So this is in the restoration promises of God to Israel. So the second half of the book, right? Um, or the second part. And this is where God is talking about using Cyrus as part of his plan of redemption and all of this. And, and, and so God's just saying, oh, by the way, I made it. Don't argue with me about what it is. Like, I think a lot of this could be solved if, if we could come to, I guess, if we could be settled on 
letting God name us instead of trying to name ourselves. Like if we could center ourselves on the fact that he created me, he knit me together, he made me, I came from him. My identity, like not just, it's not just my biology that came from him. It's not just my person that came from him, but my identity comes from him. And if I could believe that and just stop, then I wouldn't be saying, God, you made me wrong and now I've decided I'm something else or I'm identifying as something else or I want to be something else. I want to become something else. Listen, if God is perfect and the only way you can serve God is to believe he's perfect. If God is not perfect, he is not worthy of worship. He is not worthy of your life and he is not able to save So the reason we sing you are worthy of it all, the reason we follow God is because he is perfect. Right? And if God is perfect, then it is impossible for him to make mistakes. So when he made you, he didn't make a mistake. And when he made you, he wasn't unsure about who you were. And when he made you, he wasn't uncertain about the way that he made you that you are fearfully and wonderfully made. And for us to say, you did it wrong, I should have been different, I'm gonna identify as something else, what we're doing is the pot is looking at, at the potter and saying, how clumsy of you to mess me up the way you messed me up. You need to understand on the issue of identity, it is much more likely that you don't know who you are than that God does not know who you are. Because identity comes from here. Here's the second thing. If identity comes from him, then it is discovered and not determined. It is discovered and not determined. I mean, we, we see this in Jacob in that Jacob lived his life as Jacob until he has this encounter with God and God says, no, 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 you're not Jacob, you're Israel. And he has this discovery, oh, this is who I am because this is the name that didn't come from my birth circumstances, didn't even come from my parents. This is what God named me. It was discovered, not determined. You know, every culture, if you study like you read sociologists and you study all, you know, every culture has a, a like an identity formation process. Um, setting Western culture aside, because it's a whole different animal. Um, in times past and still around the world in other cultures, the way identity, kind of the building blocks of identity, the way that it is formed is you are born into a family and that family assigns you a title, a position, or a role and that becomes the building blocks of your identity. Such as you're born to a family and you're like, your name is Marty and you're a son and we are Christians and we serve the Lord and we go to church. And and that that is kind of, or laying that aside, your name is you know Sam and I, you're a daughter and... Um, or Samantha and your daughter and, and, and we're lawyers and or, or go back farther. We're blacksmiths. So you're going to be a blacksmith, whatever. But this is kind of how. And so essentially identity then, the formation of it is like, is developed through the sublimation of my own personal quest and desires and me fitting into the place and the role established by my family and my community and then doing that well. And that's where I get my sense of self and my sense of worth. Now let's go to Western culture. Western culture, that is not all. In fact, back up. In, in that context, in those cultures, the sublimation of my own desires and, and the fitting into to the, to the, to the family unit and roles and responsibilities of the family unit, that would be heroism. And the child that says, no, I'm not going to be of this family and I'm not going to be what you call me. And I'm going to go do my own thing and I'm going to find my own self and all that. That, that would be villainous. What's interesting is in our Western culture, what would be villainous to them now is lauded as heroism. Don't fit in. Don't accept what they named you. Don't accept what they called you. Don't accept what they've taught you. No, you go find yourself. You go be yourself. You go name yourself. 
And, and, and now in our culture, in Western culture, identity, it doesn't come through the sublimation of, of our desires or thoughts or whatever. It, it comes through the self-assertion. Um, Rob, Robert Bellow is a socio, one of those people, <laughs> sociologist. Uh, there we go. Robert Bellow, he, he said this, he, he named it expressive individualism. Where now the heroism of our day is being something different that you define and you name and you create. And that's, woo, that means we're winning. Think about, these are radically different concepts. In fact, in olden cultures, in fact, Robert Bella would say this, he said, back in, in original cultures, people, um, people worked and had sex to build community. Nowadays, we work and we have sex to find identity. Extraordinarily different ways of approaching life, trying to find identity in our sexuality, trying to find identity in the things that we're involved in or do. Remember, what we said is we need a stable sense of self because my sense of self can only be as stable as what it's based in. I mean, think about it, this in culture. And, and by the way, you can actually see it in our culture. Remember um, <laughs> Elsa? I laugh because in 9 a.m. I called her Ursula. And when you get the Little Mermaid confused with Frozen, <laughs> I didn't realize how offended some people could be until after the 9 a.m. <laughs> I <laughs> issue apology on social media. I'm so sorry. But remember, Elsa, think about Elsa and Frozen, let it go, let it go. And we all sing it, right? But, but, but look at the lyrics because, you know, it's, you know, the snow glows white on the mountain. I'm not going to sing this to you. <laughs> but, but in that first verse, it's like the wind is howling like the swirling storm inside. So what's the storm inside? I can't keep it in. Heaven knows I've tried. Don't let them in. Don't let them see. This is what they're saying. Don't let them in. And then you should be the good girl they want you to be. They tell you to conceal. Don't feel. Don't let them know. Well, now they know. I'm going to let it go. Let it go. I can't. What is this about? This is about expressive individualism. It's saying, no, I'm not going to conceal the way I feel. No, I'm not going to bury this inside. I'm going to escape and I'm going to be myself and I'm going to freeze the whole world. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> Wow! You know. And by the way, I'm not against Elsa. And I am not against Frozen. And I'm not taking issue with Disney today. Don't send me the email because somebody write me, you know, I had a very spiritual awakening during Let It Go because I'd been living in unforgiveness. I'm curious Max is going to write this. I'd been living in unforgiveness and my daughter was watching Let It Go, Let It Go. And I said, yes, Lord, that's what I need to do. Let it go, let it go, let it go. And now you're, no, I don't care. Praise God, I'm not after Disney. I'm just pointing out the lyrics of the song are indicative of the culture in which we live. Which is, they're saying it's wrong if you conceal your feelings. It's, it's wrong if you push those back. You just need to express yourself and be yourself. And that's how you find yourself. No, that's not how you find yourself. It, it, it's... It's not. It, it won't work. And here's why. Because remember what we said, we need a stable sense of self and a stable sense of worth. Right? Remember that? I don't know if you know this, but you're not stable. <laughs> Just let the Lord heal you. You know what I'm saying? Just let the Holy Spirit work today. You're not stable. I wish you were, but you're not. I'm not. We're not, right? I mean, think about this. There are times as a kid, you pretended to be one thing. You pretended to be another thing. You wanted one thing. There, there are thoughts and desires and feelings you have today that you didn't have 10 years ago. I mean, you, you can't. And we're not stable, right? Can we just all, like, we need to start. We're a hot mess in need of a Savior. Can we just start there? Let, let me show you this. Let me show you this. <laughs> Think about this. Let's talk about this. Okay, your identity, that's just what you desire. Look at your desires to find your identity. Is that a mess or what? Because we have incongruent desires 
They're incoherent. For instance, I would like to look like The Rock. <laughs> okay, your laughter is very painful. <laughs> y'all, need to, y'all need to act right. I would like to look like The Rock. Don't laugh. I also like tacos. I desire to be in shape, but I really desire tacos. Incongruent desires. And some days I'm going to feed myself tacos and some days I'm going to go to the gym and in the end, I'm not going to look like the rock. I just hope I don't look like a taco. (laughs) Are you with me? That you're tracking with me. But, but even on a more complex level, there's times like I want to be with her, but I also want this job or I want to, I want to follow him, but I also feel like this is what I want to be. And, and we have conflicting desires and we have desires today. We didn't even know we would have today because 10 years ago, we didn't have those desires. And we look at back at what we desired 10 years ago and say, thank God I didn't act on that. That would have been bad. You can't be the source of you. You can't be the source of your identity. Your desires can't be the source of your, your identity because your desires are not stable. Right? They're conflicting. They're incongruent. The second thing is, what about your feelings? Just go with what you feel. Just let it go. Let it go. No, don't let it go. <laughs> Hold on. <laughs> what about your feelings? Think about this. I don't know if you know this about our feelings. But your feelings are fickle. If you don't believe me, consult your Instagram. Because we have a lot of different feelings. And feelings come and go and they change. And some of them come from us and some of them maybe don't come from us. They're thrust upon us, right? Some of them them are reactions and some of them are responses. And our feelings, how many know your feelings can change? I mean, have you, I mean, think about this. Think about, think about, you know, grade school. Remember in grade school, how you hated them one day and the next day they were your best friend? Right? Do you remember this from grade school? And like, that's a terrible person. And and then you ask them to prom. You know what I'm saying? It's like, what happened? You know, well, they changed. No, your feelings are fickle. And isn't it crazy as fickle of feelings? Think about when you were in grade school and how your feelings and your desires changed. Isn't it crazy to look at six and seven years old and tell them, well, you ought to just decide your gender and you just let us know what that is? Like, I remember when I was that age. I mean, I was, one day I was, you know, the night rider. And then one day I was, you know, the Dukes of Hazard. I was Luke. Mark was Bo. <laughs> And when it comes to chips, I was Ponch and he was John. <laughs> and I mean, like, like one day I was this and one day I was that and one day and like, and now we're telling children and we look at children, oh, you just, you just, however you feel, you know, however you feel, is that how we want to teach people to live life? If I live by how I felt and you be honest, cause you'd be there too. If we live by how we felt all the time, we'd be cellmates somewhere. <laughs> We'd be in prison ministry today, you and me. (laughs) Like we know this doesn't work, but yet we're saying, no, based on your feelings, decide some of the most important decisions of life. What? Like like think about this. Go back to the fifth century and here's an Anglo-Saxon warrior. Watch this. This is an Anglo-Saxon warrior, and let's just identify two feelings that he feels. One feeling is that of aggression. He's a warrior, and he loves smashing stuff, right? The other is an, is an attraction, and let's just say a same-sex attraction. And those are both feelings inside him. But watch this. What, what he does in that culture as a warrior, it's like, no, express the aggression. You're a warrior, But in 5th century England, no, suppress this attraction. That's not you. So here's what this angle says. No, that's not me. That doesn't fit with this. So the attraction is not me, but the aggression is. This one's okay. This one's not. Now put put him in Western culture. In today, here's what we say. Oh, you feel aggression? 
you need counseling. You get you some anger management. Oh, but you feel same-sex attraction? Be free. Express that. So suppress the aggression. Express the attraction. So here's what I need you to understand. Identity is not formed by feelings. It's formed by the feelings you choose. Because you got a lot of feelings, but who's telling you which feelings to choose? Culture supplies a grid of what it's okay to express and not okay to express. It did in 5th century England, and it does today. And so this is we have a lot of people thinking, I'm being true to myself. No, you're just choosing the feelings that culture is telling you to express. And you're suppressing the feelings that, that you feel like culture would not be accepting or culture pushed back on or that don't make you as unique or don't make you as special So you're not, you're not your feelings. You're the, you're the feelings that you choose, and those can change. It's not stable, right? And then what about this? What about your decisions? What about your decisions? Oh, I'll just decide what I want to be. Like, that's the lie we tell. You can be anything you want to be. No, you can't. I, I don't want to break this to you, but you can't. You can't be anything you want to be. I can't be a bird. Right? I can't even be a fighter pilot. I'm too tall. By the way, that would have been cool. Right? So you, you can't just be what you want to be. You can't just decide what, what you are. Think about what a crushing weight that is to tell young people or anybody. No, you got to figure out who you are. You decide who you are. And here's the problem. When you decide who you are, then you have to achieve that identity that you've decided you're going to be absolutely backwards of the gospel because you don't have, you, you don't, you don't, you, even if you can decide what you want to be, you don't have the power to become it. What a crazy one. By the way, when you think about those three things, desires, feelings, decisions, you know what that is? That's your soul, right? Decisions, that's your will, right? Desires, that's uh, your mind. No. Decisions, your mind, desires, your will. Yeah, emotions is your, um, so your mind, will, and emotions. That's what I'm trying to say. So your mind, I just totally messed that up. Decisions is your mind. Desires is your will. Feelings is your emotions. And the problem is we, have, we are telling people to base their identity on their soul, their broken soul, instead of the presence or the spirit of God. So identity comes from God, so it's discover, not determine. And then here's the last thing. So identity is received, not achieved. Identity is received, not achieved. Let's go back to the story of Jacob, and we'll get into this in, in the next few weeks. But in Genesis 32, I want you to think about this. Jacob has lived up to his name. You know, a lot of times you'll live up to your labels or you'll live down to your labels, right? And, and so he was born grasping the, the heel of Esau. So he was given the name Jacob, which kind of means like deceiver, right? Supplanter, that kind of thing. And, and he kind of lived up to that. I mean, he stole the birthright of, well, he sold it to him for stew, which that's a bad trade, but it must have been some good stew. I don't know. So Esau had the birthright and the blessing, and Jacob comes to acquire the birthright and the blessing. Um, and he gets the blessing by pretending to be, by deceiving his father. Right? And then he has, you know, he runs, and then, you know, he has this encounter with God, and, and then he ends up 400 miles north working with Uncle Laban and gets married and all that. And, and then in, 30, in chapter 32, he's, he's left Laban, he's coming back, and he has this moment where he's alone and he wrestles with God. And it's in that moment, remember we talked about where God says, you're not Jacob, you're Israel. And this is what Jacob, think about this. This is what Jacob has to do to become Israel. He has to receive the identity that God's given him. He has to receive it. It, it, it was established. What you need to know is your identity is con constant with God. It was established before your beginning. 
the way you come into knowing who you are is you come into knowing him and receiving from him the identity he established you as before you even knew you. So identity is, that's why people say, I'm trying to figure out who I am. Yeah, we all are, but here's the great thing. We don't, our identity doesn't come up, come from us. We don't determine it. We don't achieve it. No, 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 no. We discover it and we receive it. Because our identity was created when, when, before the beginning when God conceived us in his heart. He knew who we were going to be. So to me, this makes finding out who I am a little bit easier. Because instead of me trying to look inside me and figure out who I am based on changing desires and fickle feelings, now I look to him. Like if I want to know who I am, since I'm not the origin of me, since I didn't come from me, if I want to know who I am, I don't start with me. I don't look at me. I don't even start with my parents or look at my parents. If I want to know me, I got to know him. If I want to know me, I got to look to him. And, and if I want to become me, then I have to receive from him who he established me to be when he created me in his, or conceived me in his heart. Like we're trying to find identity and we're looking in all the wrong places. We're looking in culture and we're looking at our desires. We're looking at our feelings. Look at this, Romans 8.14 says, For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. So this verse, Paul, Romans chapter 8, such an incredible chapter. But, but we're now talking about identity, right? Luke, all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. Son, that's an identity. That's a place in the family. That's a position. That's a role determined by God. Like this, ultimately, you know, this is, where, this is where finding your identity starts, is finding your place in him. And he says, so then he goes on to say, for you did not receive. So now we're talking about things we received. You didn't receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by, by whom we cry, my father, our father. Then the spirit bears witness with our spirit, that we're children of God. So here's what this is saying, that, that identity comes through receiving, not achieving. And he's saying, you didn't receive this spirit of bondage that's going to give you the identity of a slave. No, no, no. You received the, the Holy Spirit of God, and he, he testifies or bears witness. That word bears witness means to testify to, to confirm for you. In other words, here's what he's saying. You receive the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God, adoption, and the Holy Spirit tells you who you are. See, the truth is, we're all born not knowing who we are. Like, if you're here today and you're like, I don't know who I am, we, we've all been there. Why? Because we were born disconnected from the Father. Why did Jesus come? He came to reconnect us to our Father, right? He, he came to redeem us, to buy us out of slavery. That's true. But he also came to reconnect us with God. That's why sin was atoned, because sin was the thing separating us from the Holy God. So he pays for sin. Why does he pay for sin? Because he's a good guy? Yes, because he was bored? No, because God wants a relationship with us. He wants to reconnect us with God. Sin was in the way. So he pays for sin so our sin can be forgiven, yes, but also so we can be reunited with God so his spirit can indwell us because without the spirit, we don't know who we are. Without a father, we don't know who we are. So primarily, this is where identity comes from. It comes from receiving him. And the way we start is we receive Christ because then Christ connects us with God. Right. Yeah. Ephesians 2.18 says, For through him we both have access 
to the Father. In other words, there was no being reunited or connected with our Father except through, through, through Jesus. So you need to understand, Jesus just didn't come to make us feel good about ourselves. He didn't just come so we could go to heaven. No, he came to pay for sin because it kept us separated from our Father. So in paying for sin, now we can have access and be connected to our Father. And his Spirit that raised Christ from the dead dwells in us and gives life to us. And his spirit, the Holy Spirit in us says, hey, you're sons of God. Hey, you're a daughter of God. Hey, this is who you are. You're forgiven. You're redeemed. You're loved. You're chosen. I think there's like 139 verses in the New Testament that talk about who we are in Christ. We need to understand that finding your identity starts with finding Jesus. It starts with him. Why? Because he's the one that reconnects us with the father we were separated from. And then we receive the Holy Spirit. And when we receive the Holy Spirit, he starts to tell us who we are. And, and here's, spoiler alert, we are going to have some desires in us that are different from what the Holy Spirit feels like we should desire. We're going to have some feelings that are incongruent with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have some desires that are incongruent with the Holy Spirit. We're going to have some values and some wants that are incongruent with the Holy Spirit. Why? Because essentially we have been disconnected from our Father, raised in culture, raised in, in a world where the little God of this world, Satan, has done his best to throw as many things at us. And yes, we have appetites. You read the Bible. It talks about appetites we have that are incongruent with the Spirit of God, desires that we have. We we have an old man, we have a new man, we have a flesh. This is all in your Bible. And so what we have to understand, yes, it's going to be natural to have desires that are incongruent with what the Holy Spirit says. And it's going to be natural to have, to have feelings that are incongruent. But part of what the Holy Spirit does is he leads us in identity by pointing out, just like that Anglo-Saxon warrior, he becomes the one, instead of culture, he becomes the one saying, that desire will hurt you. This desire will give you life. That desire will cripple you. This desire will give you life. And this is what it means to make him Lord. We stop telling him who we identify as and start saying, you identify me by your spirit and I will sublimate my desires and I will surrender my thoughts and feelings and I will receive from you the identity that you had for me when you dreamed me up and conceived me in your heart. This is how we find identity. Are you with me? And we just understand that just because I have a feeling doesn't make it right. And just because I have a thought doesn't make it right. Well, how do I determine the grid of what to suppress or better yet, what to surrender and what to express? I let the Holy Spirit give me a grid instead of culture. And the Holy Spirit says, love your enemies. Love those who hate you. Right? Love those who use you. Suppress hate. Like, surrender that, but express this. I let him give me the grid. So, because why? He knows who I am, and he knows who I'm supposed to be. And you understand, the truth of identity is it doesn't come from you. It doesn't even come from your family. The truth of identity is it comes from God Almighty. He loved you before you knew you. He loved you before you were conceived on this planet. And he had a plan and a purpose, and it is good, and it is full of hope, and it is not one of pain. It is, is the goodness and the grace of God is his plan for you. But the way we find out who he says we are is we have the life-giving spirit that when we come to Christ and we receive from him, and the Holy Spirit then is given to us, we receive, and the Holy Spirit testifies. And he tells us, you're a son and you're a daughter. And then we let him actually be Lord. And we don't become the pot talking to the potter saying, you didn't do it right. We say, no, you're God and you know who I am. So show me. And anything that's incongruent with who you say I am, I'm going to surrender. And anything that's congruent with who you, who you say I am, I'm going to express. That's the truth of identity. Amen. 
Can you give Jesus praise today for the Word of God? Man, don't you stand? I love God's Word. God's so good. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come today and and we end all of our worship experiences with a time of prayer for anyone who needs prayer for anything. We just want to pray with you. Every week, God touches people and speaks to people and meets people's needs. And I always want you to get prayer. If you need prayer, don't leave here. You got a situation you're facing, something's going on. Don't leave. We want to pray for you. Right now, I want us to bow our heads and uh, I'm going to pray for all of us. Guys, thank you so much for your word. God, for your grace, for your goodness. God, I thank you, Lord, that you you know every person in this room. God, you know who we are. And the best thing about the gospel is, God, by the power of your spirit, you give us the power to become us. You give us the power to be who you've created us to be. So God, I just pray for people in this room watching online, God, people with questions, I get it. Lord, I just pray they would turn to you and say, God, show me who I am. Speak to me about who I am. God, help us, help us to hear you. And right now, with our heads bowed, no one's looking around. I think the first step in reconnecting or connecting to our identity, discovering our identity, receiving our identity is receiving Christ. That's the first step. We have to have a relationship with God in order for him to tell us who we are. And so if you're in this room or you're watching online, I just want to make that appeal that, hey, if you don't, I'm not, if you don't have a relationship with God, but I'm not talking about a church affiliation or an affiliation with a denomination. I'm not talking about, have you ever read a verse, posted scripture or listened to a worship song? The Bible talks about a relationship with God. I know him. He knows me. I talk to him. He talks to me. I am following him. He is leading me. I'm talking about an active, viable relationship, vibrant, full of life, that kind of relationship with God. And if that's not what you have, you can have that. I want to pray for you. And so whether you've never had a relationship with God or you'd be here and you're like, I don't know. I've just, maybe I've just disconnected. I don't know. Maybe I I don't feel like I talk to God. He doesn't talk to me but I want to be connected to God. I, I want to receive from him. If that's you, I want to pray for you. So no one's looking around just between really you and God. And if you're at home, I want you to participate. But if you're in this room, you're like, you know what? I need a relationship with God or I, re- I need to really reconnect with God. I've been so distant or I'm not sure if I have a relationship with God. Like I prayed a prayer, but how do I really know? You can know today. And so no one's looking around, but I just want to pray for you. And so if that's you and you're like, you know what, I need a relationship with God. I need to reconnect with God. I want you to just lift your hand up. No one's looking around. Just lift your hand up. Say, that's me. Yeah, God bless you. Thank you. Awesome. Yeah, so proud of you. Awesome. Anybody else ask me? All right, I'm going to pray for you. And and then I'm going to pray for the church. And I want to say this. If you lift your hand, at the end, we're going to have prayer for anyone that needs prayer. And if you did lift your hand, there are a few that did. I'm so, so proud and so thankful that God's speaking to you today, that you're hungry for God. But it's so important that if you lift your hand, not only that we pray together, but that you come down and just tell one of our prayer team, hey, today I reconnected with God. I prayed that prayer. And let us stand with you, encourage you. We have some resources for you. We just want to make sure that you're equipped to follow God successfully because it's not easy in this world, right? And so don't leave, just, just come down. But for those that lift their hand, we're going to pray together. So God, we just thank you for these that lifted their hands. And, and God, when they were lifting their hand, they were just saying, hi, it's me, God, and I want a relationship with you. And God, I know you paid to have a relationship with them. You want a relationship with us. And so God, I pray right now you would meet them in this moment. If you lifted your hand, it's really the faith that's important, not necessarily the words, but the Bible says we believe and we confess and then we're saved. And so right now, I'll give you some words, but you can use your own. But it's so important as you believe, say, God, I want a relationship with you. I believe I can have a relationship with you. And then you, you confess with your mouth. And so you pray your own prayer is what I'm saying. But it would be something like this. It would be something like this. And you pray along with me if you want. But say, God, I believe in you and I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. 
And I believe that he died and rose again, that he paid for my sin. He paid so I could have a relationship with you. And I ask you to forgive me of everything that separates me from you. I choose today to follow you. I ask you to fill me with your spirit. Help me to follow you with all of my heart, all of my life for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name. And God, I pray as they pray that prayer that God, you would would reveal yourself to them, show them who you are and show them who they are. And God, I pray for the people in this room, Lord, today and watch online, whoever. God, as we wrestle out the issues of identity, God, reveal yourself. And in revealing yourself, God, when we see you, we're gonna know who we are. As we know you, we're gonna know ourselves. And God, I just pray, speak to us. God, help us to receive from you who we are and not from anything else in this culture, in this world. To not be conformed to the pattern of the world, but be transformed by the renewing of our minds. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Come on, one more praise. You got it in you? God is so good. Listen, I love you. If you need prayer, we'd love to pray with you. Please come forward. Everyone else, we said, big God bless you. We love you. See you next weekend. Or we'll see you at prayer Monday at 6. All right, God bless you. We'll see you.